You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. Okay, we're going to start. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. So my topic is something related to being a single and being in the kingdom of God. Sounds like a good topic. Um, So we're going to have about 35, 40 minutes of just plain old Bible study, then maybe 10 minutes of practical stuff, and then we'll do some discussion. So that's that's the, your next outline, your next hour or so. All right, and uh, the theme of the conference is change or transformation. So I just want us to take sort of a kingdom view of what that means, what we're talking about when we're talking about transformation. The outline is, number one, what is the kingdom of God? That's the first, oh, three quarters of our talk. And then uh, what is my role as a single in that kingdom? So my goal for this lesson is that you know what the kingdom of God is, first of all, and then that uh, understanding that, finding your place, your role in that kingdom, and then to be inspired to take the place that God has in mind for you to take. Uh, So our job then is we're trying to bring about the reign of God on the earth. Now, I just finished doing a sermon, and this sermon on the kingdom of God has 37 points. Have you ever been in a sermon that had 37 points? Yes, a 37-point uh, uh, sermon. Actually, I'm, I did it recently in, in uh, Bakersfield. I cut it down to 35 points. I took two points out. All right. Now, for this lesson, I cut it down all the way to, I think it's 16 points. All right. So we're really cutting out a lot. So it, it, what you can do is just go to my website, get the full version, and, uh, and all that sort of stuff. Okay, great. So point number one, the kingdom of God is the thing that Jesus spent by far more time talking about than anything else. Let's go to Acts chapter 1, verse 3. You're reading a few scriptures here. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So here's my question. All right, then what was he talking about? I think a lot of us don't even know how to answer that question. You say, he's talking about the kingdom of God. Well, I know, (laughs) obviously. So what was he talking about? You know, Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. Okay. So what's he talking about? So that's point number one. If Jesus spent by far, at least in his recorded uh, talking, if he spent by far more time talking about the kingdom of God than anything else, then it probably means that that's an important topic uh, for us to know just a little bit about. So aren't you glad you came to this class? That's point number one. We're on point number two already. All right. The kingdom of God is a place, in quotes, where God is king. 
the fundamental thing to know about the kingdom of God is that it's a kingdom. And what do kingdoms have? They have kings. What else do they have? Subjects. Now, anybody here happen to be the king? All right, all right. So then you are subjects of this kingdom. So preeminently, the kingdom of God is a kingdom. David Lipscomb, a hero of the Churches of Christ, my favorite author on the topic, said, the kingdom of God embraces everything and every person in the universe under which God rules as king. So the bottom line is, anything in submission to God is part of the kingdom of God. My definition is the kingdom of God is anywhere, any situation, any person where God reigns as king. So if your life is submitted to God, then you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. And that's true of anything and anyone. Point number three. See, see, you see, I can do a 37 point sermon. All right. I'm at point number three. I would have my about four minutes into the sermon. There you go. Okay. The kingdom of God is revealed in parables. Why? Actually, that's point number three. And yeah, point number four. That's both. The bottom line is the kingdom of God is a huge concept. And and in many ways, it's an abstract thing. It's a a hard thing to get. It's all-embracing. It involves Israel. It involves nature. It involves the church. It involves heaven. It involves individuals. And that's why Jesus spoke about the kingdom in parables. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Just think about that. All right. See that one on the left? That's how you started. See the one on the right? That's a mustard plant. Uh, the guy standing next to apparently it's somewhere in, uh, in Palestine. That's an Arab guy there. All right. That's the kingdom of God. Get the picture. Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God in pictures. That represents growth. That represents change. On the left, that's you. When you're baptized into Christ. On the right, that's what you're becoming. The kingdom of God is a treasure hidden in a field. And you sold everything to get that treasure. The kingdom of God is a pearl of great price. All right. Number five. See, we're cranking. The kingdom of God is not equal to the church. The kingdom of God is much bigger than that. And the fact is, we were taught that the kingdom of God is the church. Now, one of the most obnoxious things that we've ever done as a church to say, hey, uh, the kingdom. And when we said the kingdom, what do we mean? No, we did not. It was worse than that. Uh, Worse than that. We said ICOC. Right? You know what? Let me throw out one of my pet peeves. I'm just going to throw out my pet peeve. They say, is that person a disciple? And now, what do we mean when we ask the question, is that person a disciple? Right. Do you realize how obnoxious that is? Do you realize how obnoxious that is? I remember as uh, we had a guy speaking uh, and uh, invited him to do a class from the uh, Christian church. 
All right. And uh, so he's preaching Sunday morning. And a couple of the guys on staff said, is this guy a disciple? I said, are you what are you asking? <laughs> what are you asking? Um, yeah, he's one of the most amazing disciples I know. But no, he's not a member of our church. But anyway, that's just a little side thing. Uh, my suggestion is stop doing that. All right. Stop saying, is he a disciple when you mean, is he a member of our fellowship? If you're asking if he's a member of my, our fellowship, ask, is he a member of our Fellowship. That's that's a little bit better. But anyway, uh, David Lipscomb said, again, my favorite author on this topic, the kingdom of God embraces the church, but is much more extensive in its meaning. The kingdom of God is the church. That's a quote from the first principles, which got changed, by the way. Aren't you glad we changed that? Uh, uh, Here's another quote. From the early first principle, I, I'm not going to park on this. I'm going to move on for this very, I, you know, dwelling in the past is a waste of time, probably. But a quote from the kingdom study, the church is the kingdom of God on earth established in 33 A.D. Really? God's kingship was established in 33 A.D.? So what was God before 33 A.D.? Was it some kind of, I don't know, prince? You know, seriously. You really think the kingdom of God was established in 33 A.D.? Because the kingdom of God is anything, anywhere, any place of which God is king. Now, um, by the way, another point later on is the church is the kingdom of God. So I'm going to contradict myself right now. All right, I'm saying it's not the kingdom of God. Then I'm going to later on I'm going to say it is the kingdom of God, because well, you know, they're both true. Seek first His kingdom, Matthew six thirty. Let's let's think about that. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Uh, what does that mean to you? Because I was told it meant you go to church and you, you know, you support the church financially and all those other ways. All right. Seek first the kingdom of God means seeks first God being your king. And it means seeking God being king in this world as much as he can, because who's the king of this world? Satan is the king of this world. So really, seek first the kingdom means bring about the reign of God here on earth to the extent that it's possible. Seek God's kingship in your life and in this world. Jesus said, thy kingdom come, right? Or your kingdom come, I guess. That means get out there and share your faith. Help people come into the kingdom. But help people see the king. Next point, and I really want to dwell on this just a little bit. The kingdom of God is already but not yet. See, the greatest realization the kingdom is going to be heaven obviously the kingdom of god is already but not yet the kingdom of god is something it's kind of like the mustard seed the church is more of a mustard seed and the kingdom is more like that big plant you saw early on the kingdom of god comes in stages it's revealed gradually it grows it grows a lot starts small gets big sometimes the kingdom of god comes slowly and gradually Sometimes it comes suddenly, like at Pentecost. It was sudden. When when Israel broke out from Egypt, it came suddenly. The kingdom of God came with the flood of Noah. That was the kingdom of God. The church is the kingdom of God already, but not yet. Really, the church is just a picture. It's a snapshot. It's a snapshot. It's like a, a miniature. <clears throat> I don't know if you remember... I don't know, we did it when I was a kid. You, made, you took a little shoebox and you made a diorama. You know what I'm talking about? You put the, so the church is kind of like that. It's kind of like that. 
You know, if you go to Jerusalem, they, there's this thing. It's at the Israel Museum. It's this amazing scale model of Jerusalem. All right. And, and you know, at the time of Christ, all right, during that time in the first century. Now, imagine going all the way to Israel just to go to the scale model and don't bother to visit the actual city of Jerusalem. So the church is the kingdom of God, kind of like that little diorama. We're a picture. But you know what? To the extent that people see the kingdom, they see the church. I mean, honestly, not, that's not the whole thing, but it's a big part of it. So it's already, but not yet. It's coming. The, the, the kingdom is coming. You know, Jesus said, uh, actually, John the Baptist said the kingdom of God is at hand. He wasn't talking about, you know, uh, the day of Pentecost. What he's talking about is Jesus is about to walk in. I mean, when did the kingdom of God come? How about when Jesus walked into the room? That's when the kingdom of God came. And when it's when, when, it's when Jesus comes into our life. That's when the kingdom of God comes. Here's another quote from my favorite author. God's colonial outpost. That's what the church is. It's a colonial outpost. And, you know, the Greeks, they planted colonies like in, in, in uh, Sicily or in Spain. And so the colony, when people show, go to the colony, they find out what Greece is like because they, they go to their colony. We're, we're, we're a living witness to the kingdom. But the kingdom is so much greater than what we are. It's revealed in small ways. Through Christ, we have experienced resurrection. The kingdom of God is all about resurrection. It's resurrection already, but not yet. Uh, Romans 8.23. This is a great one. There's a lot of stuff about the kingdom, especially in Romans. Romans 8.23. It's the Feast of First Fruits. Do you know much about the Feast of First Fruits? Uh, Romans 8.23 says here, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Now, wait a minute. Weren't you already redeemed? See, we're redeemed already, but not yet. We're saved already, but not yet. We're not fully saved. We're holy. What I, what I really like is the fact that God sees us now as, that we, as what we will be. Praise God for that. You know, the kingdom of God is holy. Already, but not yet, right? Let's, let's be honest about it. So, see, the kingdom of God is about becoming what God has in mind for you. There's going to be a final resurrection. And I'm telling you, the body that you're going to get is a lot better than the one you're occupying right now. It's, it's about the first fruits. You know, Jesus, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he was the first fruit of the dead. The Jews have a festival. It's called the Feast of First Fruits. And what the Feast of First Fruits was a harvest festival in March or April, and they celebrated the harvest when there wasn't even anything to harvest yet. And you probably know that Jesus was killed on the eve of the Passover, but did you know he's raised from the dead on the day of first fruits? Because he's the first fruit from the dead. He's the promise of a future harvest. But that's what the church is. The church is a promise of what will be. That's what you are as a single. You're a picture of what God is making you into. But you know what? Let's become that thing. That's really the practical here. Becoming what God has in mind that you're going to be.
Saved already, but not yet. Righteous already, but not yet. Holy already, but not yet. And I'm so thankful that God sees us as what we will be. And He sees the church as what the kingdom will be. And it's a bit of a dim picture at times. You know what I'm saying? Point number, I don't know, seven or whatever it says up there. Okay. Nature is the kingdom of God. That's why you need to get out into nature sometimes. For some of us, you do it all the time. If you're a city person, get out of the stinking city. And that doesn't mean going to the local park down on the corner. You need to go to the Grand Canyon. You need to go to Sequoia or whatever. You just need to get out into nature. Because that's when you see the kingdom of God. Because when you're in nature, it's all good and it's all obeying God. You know, everything that God ever created obeys Him. Except us. We're the only rebels against the kingdom. Your cat may not obey you, but it obeys God all the time. Even when it's not obeying you, it's still obeying God. So we need to spend some time in nature. In fact, right there, there's this weird passage in Romans 8 about nature growing. What's that about? It's right, you know, starting there in what, verse 19. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Basically, nature is saying to us, get with the program. Get with the kingdom. We're obeying God. Why aren't you? Uh, he's sort of personifying nature, but he's talking about the king. That's what he's talking about. It says, for creation was subjected to frustration. By what? By us not obeying God. Not by its own choice, but by the will of one who subjected it in hope. Because really, the kingdom of God is about hope, isn't it? The creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Nature is the kingdom of God. Israel is the kingdom of God. If you want to understand how we're the kingdom already, but not yet, look at Israel. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, David and, you know, the the northern kingdom. Well, not so much the northern kingdom. Let's go for the southern kingdom, all right? That's the kingdom of God. I mean, almost by definition, it was the kingdom of God. Now, how well did they do? They, They kind of stunk it up a little bit. But see, Israel was a picture. That's what it was. It's a picture, a very dim one. Remember, I used that diorama uh, example there. But I would say the church is to Israel as the kingdom of God is to the church. You know, I think we're doing a little bit better than Israel. I mean, seriously. Uh, I don't see us bowing down to idols and stuff like that. But really, the church was a picture of what the kingdom of God is like. Because God... It was a theocracy. You know, God was the head of Israel. Israel is the kingdom of God. And the covenant that God made with his people on Mount Sinai was a covenant about the kingdom. But then again, the church is the kingdom of God. And like it says there, and I'm not contradicting myself, all right? But that's the already but not yet thing, right? We know that we are not perfect subjects of the kingdom. Aren't you glad that God sees us as if we are what we are not yet? That's a, that's a good thing. 
Is the church the kingdom? Yes and no already, but not yet. But see, the, the point is, as singles in the kingdom of God, we're trying to bring it about. We're trying to allow God to break out. He's trying to break out in your life individually. He's trying to break out in your singles ministry. He's trying to break out in your church. But he's also trying to break out in the community. I, I, we need to break out of our singles ministry, get onto the community a lot more. I'm going to talk about that. That's going to be part of our practicals. Uh, next, the Garden of Eden is the kingdom of God. You know, if you want a picture of the kingdom, just read Genesis chapter 1 and then read Genesis chapter 2. That's what the kingdom of God is about. It's about us living in perfect fellowship with our Creator, being loved by Him, loving Him, and loving one another. Let me give the condensed version of the Bible, all right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a summary of the Bible right now. It's a short one, obviously. Point number one, Genesis 1. God created everything and it was good. It was very good. Point number two, Genesis 2. God created us to, to love Him, to be loved by Him, to love one another. And it was good. It was the way God intended. Point number three, Genesis 3 and 4. We messed up real bad. We got kicked out of the a garden. We lost the place that God had in mind. We were kicked out of the kingdom. Genesis 5 through Revelation 20, God is fixing the problem. (laughs) Revelation 21 and 22, God fixed the problem. We're back in the kingdom. The imagery of Genesis 22 comes directly from the Garden of Eden. So if you want to know what the kingdom of God is like, just spend some time reading Genesis chapter 2. That's where God is trying to bring us back into. But again, remember, even Genesis 2 is just a picture. It's just a picture. Let's read Revelation 22, 1 through 5. And by the way, put in your notes, Ezekiel 47. If you came in late, if you go to my website, I've got uh, notes that are around three times longer than what I'm covering here. It's the 37-point version plus twice more notes beyond that about the kingdom and the Old Testament and all this stuff. Revelation 22, 1 through 5. I love thinking about the kingdom. I love talking about the kingdom. I'm glad I'm a citizen of the kingdom. I'm also hoping to become a better citizen of that kingdom. Amen. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. You understand, in here in Revelation 22, verse 1, we're just back in the garden. That's where we are. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer there will be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city. The servants will serve Him. They will see His face. And his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. There will be no need of light, a lamp, or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. That is the kingdom of God. Which brings me to my next point. I'm on point number 10 out of 15. See, I promised you. The kingdom of God is heaven. And we're just a picture of heaven. You know what? For the world around us, 
we're pretty much all they see. So we better probably buff up, you know, get, get that thing shining up just a little bit better. Some of us are not putting on a good show. Revelation 11, verse 15. I'm so glad God sees us as we are not. Amen. Uh, Revelation 11:15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there was a loud voice in heaven which said, "The kingdom of God of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Messiah, and He will reign forever and ever." You know, we're living in the last days, right? Hebrews chapter two, verse one; Acts chapter two. The last days of what? The last days of the kingdoms of the world. They're toast. They're, they're out of here. It's just a matter of time. And so aren't you glad we're part of the thing that's still going to last when the kingdom of God is finally revealed? And Revelation is a picture of that. It's a picture of the kingdom. Uh, number 11, the kingdom of God is not a place. You knew that already. Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you, but that's not a very good translation. I think that's what the NIV says. A better translation is the kingdom of God is among you. So the kingdom of God is right here in this room. You know, we're subjects of the kingdom. We're submitted to God. And God God is happy about you right now. In fact, he's happy about you all the time because he sees you as what he's making you into. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. This is spiritual kingdom. This, his kingdom is not of this world, folks. We need to live that way. A lot of us are putting down too many roots here. Too many roots. You know, in Matthew 6.25, where Jesus says, do not worry about your life. That is not an accurate translation. Because the accurate translation is just too intense. None of them have the courage to do it. What he actually said is, do not give a thought to your life. Do not give a thought to your life. Now, he's not talking about to yourself. He's talking about to your life here on the earth. Now, of course, you have to think about it. You, You know, you have to go to work. All right? When he says... Put your treasures in heaven, not in this earth. And then he follows it up and he says, don't give a thought to this life. Instead, give a thought to the kingdom, to what God is doing in this world and what he's going to make the world into. We need to have a vision of this. Do not give a thought. Have no concern. The kingdom of God is not of this world. But you know what's cool? God's going to turn this world into the kingdom. Because the kingdoms of the world, they're passing away. Satan's time is just about up. And that's why he's so darn mad. You know, because he realizes he's going into the lake of fire and of eternal judgment. And God's going to come back and he's going to transform this world. A lot of people think heaven is this sort of this ethereal, spacey sort of spiritual place out there. No, the new king, the new heaven and the new earth are going to combine. That God is going to transform this place. How that's going to work, I don't know. David Lipscomb said, uh, God calls us to a radical alien mentality. Let's get to my next point. 
I'm really just getting into it. Even though it's point number 13 out of 15, I'm really just actually getting down to what I'm here to talk about. The kingdom of God is a radical ethic in complete opposition to what the worldly kingdoms have to say. In this world, we are aliens and strangers. How many of you like to fit in? The rest of you are lying because the guys are all wearing shirts and pants. Any guys wearing dresses? Any guys here wearing dresses? Okay, no, I didn't think so. You could if you want, by the way. Freedom in Christ, right? We have freedom in Christ. You can wear a dress. All right? I mean, we all want to fit in. But if you're in the kingdom of God, you're not going to fit in. Now, luckily, our strangeness is not of the clothes we wear. It's not the food we eat. It's not the way we style our hair. It's who's our king and and the way we act about it. The ethic that we follow is strange. The world just doesn't get it. They don't get it at all. And unfortunately, some of us don't get it enough. That's why we got to think about the kingdom. Because the kingdom of God is a place where God reigns. And this world is not important. God calls us to a radical alien mentality. And I'm talking about Martians. All right, that was a joke. That was a joke. You're supposed to laugh at that. Okay. But he provides the power for such a life through the indwelling, empowering the Holy Spirit. Really, having the Holy Spirit live in us is such a vital part of being in the kingdom. We're countercultural. Hebrews 11. I love Hebrews. Actually, I wrote a book on it. It's going to be published in a couple months. Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. He's talking about these Old Testament figures who live by faith, not by sight. He says, all these people are still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they're foreigners and strangers on earth. People say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country. What do we call it? The kingdom of God. You know what? Let me tell you the secret of making it into that final, permanent, awesome, amazing, eternal kingdom. Just keep walking by faith. If you're walking by faith the day you die, you're going to be welcomed into this kingdom and it's going to be great. Now, I want to get in there with lots of glory and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But let's just keep walking by faith. But he says, these people recognize that they were aliens and strangers. So think about Abraham. I mean, you know, he left everything behind. He was in Ur. He had a nice house, nice career, nice everything. And he went and lived in a tent, just wandering around for the rest of his life. And he lived in a place that was really just a picture. He lived in the promised land already. But not yet. How much of the promised land did he receive? A little tiny postage stamp field. The field of Machpelah. Of the whole, God says it's all yours. And he gave him this little tiny, tiny field. But he claimed the whole thing and he believed it. And the church is kind of like that field of Machpelah compared to the kingdom of God. And, and, but, uh, but, Abraham saw the future. He saw what God was doing. In this world, we're aliens and strangers. They're not going to get us. We get them because we were them, right? We get them, but they don't get us. And if your neighbors, if your coworkers get you, then you've got to up the game a little bit. 
We're foreigners. We're aliens. We're not immigrants. An immigrant comes into a country. What do they do? They try to become like that country. You know, if it, life in the kingdom of God, you know, our citizenship is in heaven. Life in the kingdom of God is kind of like life on a bridge. You know what I'm saying? We left that place, but we're already, but not yet. We're not there. When you, when you live on a bridge, you plant a tree on a bridge. They don't really plant a tree on a bridge. Maybe in a little planter because, you know, a bridge is not a place where you put down roots because our citizenship is in heaven. We're, we're citizens of the kingdom. We live as if the future is already present. Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven. Another quote from David Lipscomb. He said, to live in the shadow of the second coming is to take seriously the ethic of Jesus. The peculiarity of disciples is not that we wear quaint clothing or don't use modern technology. Rather, our strangeness is located in our embrace of an ethic the world considers utter nonsense. Our way of thinking is nonsense to the world. Which brings me to my next point. The kingdom of God, if you want to know about the kingdom of God, just read the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, we could have done this whole lesson. We could have just started in Matthew chapter 5 and gone through Matthew chapter 7. Because that is a, the greatest exposition on the kingdom of God. You know, what's, what's of value in the kingdom of God? The things that are of value in the kingdom of God are worthless in the world. And everything that's in the world is utterly worthless in the kingdom of God. What do you value? What you value determines which kingdom you're really in. Now, I'm glad that we have grace, so God acts as if you're totally, utterly in his kingdom, even though you're not. Praise God for that. But really, do you want to become what he's trying to make you become or not? Now, we say... The way to greatness is through humility. And the world goes, ha, 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 you fool. We say the way to riches is through poverty. Some of you are flunking that course. By the way, that doesn't mean you can't earn money. You know, there are two things. There are two things mentioned in the Bible that if you got those right, you'd just be perfect. One of them is in James. If you perfectly controlled your tongue, you'd be a perfect Christian. But the other one is, if you perfectly dealt with money, you'd be a perfect Christian. So you get that one down. So we're going to spend our whole life working on that. But amen. I mean, just... I wasn't going to read it. Let's read it. All right. Because we got it. We got to read the, those blessings. The, the world. Uh, I'm just telling you, the kingdom of God is the total, utter, absolute, diametric opposite to the world. And if you think differently, you're wrong. You, you're not getting it yet. You need to get it. You need to get the kingdom. Matthew five says, blessed are those who are poor. Does the world agree with that? No. In fact, if you read Luke, he says, cursed are the rich. Blessed are those who are mourning and are sad and are sorrowful. Again, crazy. Blessed are those who are humble. Blessed are those who thirst for holiness, 
and righteousness. Those are kingdom ethics. Matthew 5, 17-48, he says, we don't just avoid adultery, we don't even think about it. We're not just avoiding murder, we're not thinking badly of others at all. We're not just loving our neighbors, we're loving our enemy. That's what it's like in the kingdom. Why is there peace in the kingdom of God? Because there are no enemies. My mother said it takes two to fight. It's still true. If you're in a fight, you're part of the problem. And that's not kingdom ethics. That's not how it is in the kingdom. But, of course, we're already but not yet, right? And then in Matthew 6, 25 through 33, again, he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He says, don't even give a thought to your life. Matthew 16, 19 through 21. Don't put your treasures on earth. Singles? What's it like to be a single in the kingdom? It's somebody who doesn't put their treasure in the earth. It's trusting in God. It's trusting in God. Do you believe that if you trusted God fully and let Him determine all of your steps and your decisions and whether you get married or not and whether you have the particular job direction you had in mind, if you trust Him to give you that rather than take it for yourself, do you believe He'd take care of you? Do you believe he would do better for you than you would do for yourself? If you do, then you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a strange place. The world doesn't get it. It never will. And if you think it will, you are mistaken about that. Mistaken about that. Uh, number 14. The kingdom of God is of inestimable value. Again, everything of the world is worth nothing. Like it says in Hebrews 11, verse 1, faith is belief in things that are unseen, right? Everything you can see is worth nothing. And everything that's worth anything you cannot see. That is the kingdom view of the world. And that is what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is of inestimable value. It's something that we search for. It's something when we find we sell everything to get it. It's something we hold on to. That's the kingdom of God. It's of, of unbelievable, unimaginable value. The last point, for now anyway, is the kingdom of God is revealed, proclaimed, preached, and announced. Let's go to Mark 1. Uh, see, we are God's messengers. We are his ministers. We are God's rule breaking out in this world. That's a privilege. As, as a member of the kingdom of God, you are an ambassador. You are a representative. How great an honor is that? Mark 1, 14 and 15. Okay. Are you getting a picture of the kingdom? Okay, Mark 1, 14 and 15. It says here, after John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. See, our job is to ask people to repent. Why? Because the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is revealed. How? By us. We are the outpost. We are like the embassy. You know, 
where the place you go to get the passport to go into this kingdom. We've got to keep that kingdom pretty spiffy, looking good. We are the ones who proclaim the kingdom. How's it going? You know, I, 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 my wife and I, we did something weird. You know, I, I worked for 35 years as a professor, and then I retired. You know what you're supposed to do when you retire? You're supposed to rest, you know? But we're not, we're not getting comfortable. We're, we're taking it up a notch. I'm telling you right now, we're taking it up a notch. All right? So, you know, we moved to Bakersfield, which, um, come there, but don't come there for the weather or the, you know, ask the Fresno people. The Fresno people said Fresno is the armpit of California. I said, no, it's not. Bakersfield is. We're having a little debate about that. Which is the armpit of California? But you know what? It's a place where God is breaking out. The kingdom of God is happening. You know what I'm doing? I'm going up on campus and sharing my faith. You know, I'm not getting ready to retire. Because our job is to reveal the kingdom of God. God is using us. The kingdom of God is revealed, proclaimed, preached, and announced. By who? Especially by the singles. I'm telling you, especially. And by the way, I say go up on campus and share. I'm telling you, we had a bunch of campus students from San Diego come up. It was great. But you know who was the most effective person sharing their faith up on campus? It was actually me. I spend an hour up there. I got two people coming to church and a Bible study because, I don't know, I'm old and they like, you know, they're, they think it's weird. I get their attention. You know what I'm saying? The kingdom of God is revealed, proclaimed, preached, and announced. How's it going? Aren't you glad there's grace? Amen. All right, I told you 40 minutes of Bible, 10 minutes of practical, and then we're supposed to have discussion groups. That's what I was told. The other people weren't doing discussion groups. They, they were t- Maybe they're doing Q&A. Maybe we'll do q and A. I don't know. Maybe we'll do We'll see. Uh, my boss is Steve right back there. He's the one telling me what to do, and I'm trying to just, you know, I am... A citizen of uh, God's my Lord, but you know, I've got bosses down here and he's my boss. All right, great. So I want to talk about practicals. So what's our role in the kingdom as individuals? What's our role in the kingdom as single parts of a singles ministry? What's our role in the kingdom as members of local churches? And what's our role of, uh, in the kingdom in our community, which is, I think, the principal place we need to be. The kingdom is out there in the world. So just a few thoughts anyway. In fact, you probably could have written this outline as well as I could, honestly, the practicals. Uh, our, our role then as individuals is individually to bring about the reign of God on this earth. How's that going to work? Well, where does bringing about the reign of God on this earth start, individual? With you as an individual. You know, you need to be having Jesus as your Lord. We're talking about the real stuff. And it, it, it is so cool that you are a citizen of the creator of the universe right there. And God is breaking out into this world, transforming this world through you as an individual. That is encouraging. So you know what you need to do? I think you need to seek first his kingdom. But 
maybe your understanding of what that means is a little bit different now than it was maybe an hour ago. It means seeking first, submitting to God, and saying to the things of the world, garbage. Can I say this? Crap. All right? That's what it is. All right? In fact, you know what Paul said about the things of the world? He said, not only did he say it was worth nothing, he said it was worth less than nothing. Take everything the world has to offer, not as it only is it worth zero, it's actually negative. It's kind of, it's kind of, you got, it's kind of working against you a little bit. Let's live lives in submission to God. Let's be instruments for God to change the world. That's an exciting thing, though. Seeing God change the world right here that you live in through you, that is the most exciting thing. You know what? That's what the world is looking for. Honestly. I would say the premillennials, I mean, the, the, you know, the, 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 whatever, the, the postmoderns, sorry, the postmoderns, not the premillennials. Those are those kind of weird, you know, evangelical people. <laughs> Amen. They're awesome too. But the postmodern, that's, that's what they're looking for. The young people, they're looking to change the world. I mean, seriously, more than my generation, our, my generation was about building a, you know, a, a house and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You're, the younger generation, they hardly even care about that stuff anymore. Amen. You guys are better than us. Seriously. But we need, to, you need to see yourself and you need to be the instrument for change in this world. And I'm not just talking about helping people become Christians. I'm talking about transforming this world. Like making it maybe even a cleaner place. Maybe, you know, driving an electric vehicle if you can afford it. Because remember, nature is the kingdom of God. And, you know, being an environmentalist, that's kind of natural to Christians, isn't it? Yeah, if you understand the kingdom. Yes. Right? Eat less meat. That's being part of the kingdom. It's not a commandment. It's not a commandment. How about this? Become a missionary. You know what? We have a lot of campus people going out in one-year challenges and going out into the mission field, but I don't hear that many singles doing that. But you would... By the way, in San Diego, we've had a few do it. We've had several. And I'm sure in your ministry, some... I don't mean to be negative here, but seriously, I mean, when, when are you more free to go out and do something like that than you are right now? Mostly, not all of you. Single moms, single dads, it's not that way. But if you're in your 20s and you're single, what are you doing? Go out on a mission team. Come to Bakersfield. We'll put you to work. Come on. There's lost people in places like, you know, I don't know. Well, yeah, but there's already an outpost of the kingdom over there. I don't know. Think of that weird place. You know, how about um, how about El Centro, California? Got any volunteers? If you're a citizen of the kingdom, you'd go there right away. Wouldn't you? All right. So become a missionary. Take the one-year challenge. But be prepared. When you take the one-year challenge, it's going to be the 47-year challenge. All right. By the way, the most effective missionaries in all history, the two most effective missionaries in all history. You know who they were, and they're single, right? At least the ones that we know about. Paul and Jesus, they seem to be able to pull it off. In fact, I think they were able to do more because they stayed single. I'm not telling you to stay single, but Paul said so, so just if you want to let him talk to you. 
I'm married. I'd be a hypocrite. All right, next. Practicals for the kingdom in our singles ministry. First of all, you're the majority. Just so you know, you're the majority. And it's it's kind of funny. I mean, it seems like the marrieds, you know, we have all these. It seems like marrieds are are the head of, you know, the kids' kingdom. They're the heads. Of, you know, it seems most of the major programs in the church seems like they're run by marrieds. What's up with that? I mean, come on, singles. And you're going to have to ask because they're not going to appoint you. You're going to have to say, look, I want to take over that ministry. I mean, you are the majority. Maybe you're not the majority in your church, but the majority in the, in the city you live in. Singles are the majority. Now, they say that. Did they count five-year-olds when that? I don't really. I'm a, I'm a scientist. I'm kind of skeptical. They say singles are the majority. Are they counting three-year-olds? I don't think so. I think they're counting of people over 18. Yes. You are the future of the church, and that's just not talk. That is not just talk. Because that's kind of the deal with the world we live in. We are an outpost of the kingdom. What would it mean? Just try to get a picture. What would it mean that your singles ministry is an outpost of the kingdom of God? You've got to allow your imagination to go with this. Ask yourself, what is God doing right now in Orange County? And, I, you know, I don't really know. I mean, the Holy Spirit is doing something, but most of what the Holy Spirit is doing is not in your church. Most of what he's doing is out there, so you need to go there, wherever that is. I don't know where it is, honestly. But that's really point four, so I'm, I, I better hold off on that. So what is God doing in Fresno? And then as a singles ministry, you need to go there. You need to be part of that. Whatever it is, I don't know. I'm an old guy. I don't really know generally what young people are doing. All right. Well, sometimes I do. I've got, I got some young people in my family, but all right, great. So what is God doing? What does a kingdom of God singles ministry look like? I don't know exactly, but I've given you a picture here. Uh, number three, in our churches. All right. We need to participate in the life of the church more fully than we do. I believe. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think so. Don't wait for the campus to do it. Come on, man. They're, they're a bunch of immature people. They don't even know what they're doing. Seriously. You guys need to be blowing it out. You certainly should be more fun than they are. Come on. Give generously. I believe the singles ministry should be the principal funding for the church, honestly. I mean, you know, what do you, you know, you're not paying for kids. You're not, well, maybe you're preparing for college. I don't know. Start a program. There's things that are not being done. Don't wait for the staff to do it. Come on. They got their thing. You do your thing. Don't wait. In our community, I want to think about that a little bit because, see, the kingdom of God is breaking out, but I'm telling you, it is breaking out out there. And I don't know what God is doing exactly, but I know he's doing something. I know the Holy Spirit is active and the Holy Spirit is trying to cause an outbreak and a revival, all of that kind of thing. And we just need to show up at the time, proclaim the kingdom and stuff is going to start happening, I tell you right now. We need to get involved in making social justice, not just giving to the poor, but changing the lot of the poor. 
God loves immigrants. God loves even illegal immigrants. He loves the alien and the foreigners. You know, do you have any idea how much material there is in the Bible about those, about people who are outcasts and, and you know, and we not, we don't need to be like those other people having those terrible attitudes. No, we're the kingdom of God. Social justice is not something we do. It's who we are. We need to be transforming this world in ways other than simply sharing our faith. We need to make changes in this world. We need to bring about justice, whatever that would be. I really appreciate uh, the, the thing that Lindsay Dominguez started here in San Diego. It's, it's just amazing. I guess they were just sitting around in their Bible talk one day and they said, you know what? We need to start actually doing something. So they started a, home, a homeless program, and it's for homeless, I think it's homeless men, I believe it is. Anybody from Lindsay's group here? All right, yeah. And Yes? Uh, why don't you just give us about a one minute, but very speak very loudly about what you guys are doing. And Lindsay told me just a few minutes ago, there's a special secret surprise, but I can't reveal it. But the kingdom of God is hidden, right? It's a mystery. All right, great. Uh, so I think we have only about five or six minutes left in our thing here. Yes? Yeah, so questions, comments, thoughts. I've got good news. What you said was true. But it's just a small part of what's true. Sure. I mean, the kingdom of God breaks out gradually and suddenly. If you go to the outline, I took a bunch out. There's a whole section on the kingdom of God coming suddenly. And the kingdom of God came when Nebuchadnezzar came and took down the wall of Jerusalem. By the way, another point is when the kingdom of God comes, that's bad news for almost everybody. It's good news for only a few. All right. So absolutely, it's true. That the, that the day of Pentecost was a day when the kingdom of God broke out. But basically, what, when, you, when we quote uh, John the Baptist saying the kingdom of God is at hand, and we say he's talking about Pentecost, that is not true. So, you know, it's not a, it's not a heresy. It's not, you know, but the, the kingdom of God is so much bigger, greater than the church. By the way, I love that study. You just tweak it a little bit. It's, it's awesome. But ra- to me, uh, what we've done, we created a new Bible study series. So we j- instead of doing a kingdom study, we do a Jesus study. I say, you know, why not do a Jesus study? So we study, you know, prophecies about Jesus. And, because really, the, the reason I love that study so much is shows how the Old Testament anticipates the New Testament. And so that's that's great. But, you know, just a couple tweaks here and there. I'm sure somebody by now has put out a version of that study that doesn't have false doctrine. But anyway, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. But let's just catch a vision of the kingdom. And the kingdom did come at Pentecost. In fact, in all of history, you could argue, that's the greatest single breaking out of the kingdom was at Pentecost. So the, to the extent to which it was not completely true is relatively minor, okay? Yes. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate the lesson, and I love that you um, talk about how the kingdom is greater 
Uh, and I always think of it like an apple is fruit, but fruit is not apple. Okay. It's like, you know, an apple is a is in the category of fruit, but yeah. there's so many more fruits yeah. out there. So, but I do, it's kind of similar to what Chidu was asking, because I do, in Daniel, it says in the time of those kings, God will set up a kingdom that will not be destroyed on earth. Right. And I do believe the kingdom is much bigger than the church, but I believe that is a really specific thing that God planned to create his world within the world, where it's a little more tangible, but it's within you, so it's not walls or anything. Um, but I do believe that was a specific time that was... I agree, yes. Uh, Daniel chapter 2 is speaking of Pentecost. Absolutely. Okay. Like I said, most of that sermon, most of that... Um, Bible study is just fine. It's the little tiny tweaks around the edge. But absolutely, uh, Pentecost, and also, by the way, Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 is Pentecost 2 or Pentecost Prime, if whatever. Uh, those those are anticipated in Daniel 2. No, no question about it. And it talks about this kingdom that crush all the other kingdoms. Talk about the kingdom of God, but really, those kingdoms will only ultimately be crushed when Jesus comes back. So we're living in the last days, and there's a sense in which that Daniel 2 prophecy is not completely fulfilled. Got it? Yes. Yes, yes, I think it might be, uh, let me see here. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Question. As I'm out in the world, I like to think of myself as an outpost of the kingdom. And if we're aware of that constantly, we interact with people in a different way. Because we, if we think of the kingdom as the church, then we're sitting in a little little kingdom circle, and, and that's good. I mean, we're, we're not really aware that, that God is working. Th- but if we understand that we are the kingdom of God breaking out, that I, I think it, it affects my mindset, so hopefully it could affect your mindset. Because God is being revealed through us. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've been more evangelistic in the last few months than since I was a baby Christian when you had to do it. Most of you guys only remember when you had to do it. That was, that kind of, I got evangelism PTSD from that. But you know what? I, you know, I'm getting some of that, uh, cognitive therapy. Do we have any psychologists out there? Some cognitive therapy by going out and just sharing my faith because I want to. Because I'm I'm part of the kingdom and I'm I'm having a lot more fun doing it now. Amen for that. Okay, yes. Within among us. It it's it's a Greek word. The Greek word could be translated more than one way. There there neither is wrong translation, but I believe the understanding that Jesus has in mind primarily leans more towards among than within. The Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit's in this room. Uh, You know, there's there's all these little lights lighting up here. I mean, Jesus spoke in ways that were mysterious at times. I don't think we can give you an exact, perfect, ironclad definition. I think Jesus was speaking as a principle anyway. But the kingdom of God is among the church, is among us. And also, he is... The, the Holy Spirit is within us. He is within us. 
but it is also among us. So I, I, as I think, you know, I, I, Galatians 5, uh, keep in step with the Spirit, uh, just allowing the Spirit to speak to you through you, I think is a, a lot, in large measure how we are, uh, the kingdom of God is among us, but he's also within us. It's both true. And whenever you have a Greek word, there's, there could be more than one possible translation. Yes. Well, I would say this. You just need to do something. I, um, I, I, I think what the singles group here in San Diego decided to do, there's two things I really like about it. Number one, the singles are doing it. They're taking the lead and they're pulling the church in with them. I really like that. That should happen more. Number two, I mean, what would be more obvious for a singles group to do than to work with, you know, men in that, in that age group? All right. Uh, do we have anybody here from the Bay Area church? I think I've, there, I saw it. Yeah. I mean, the stuff that's going, that, what, how, how awesome is that? But what they're doing is they're doing outreach to special needs kids. But for a whole church to do, if, for a whole church ministry, I kind of almost like that for a whole church ministry because it just works. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, ask yourself, what is God doing in my community and join it? I would say do one thing rather than ten things. If you're doing ten things, you don't have focus. And then how's, how's the kingdom of God revealed? So my advice, it's kind of practical advice, is do one thing well, or maybe two things. Uh, it, talk to the brother back there. He'll, he'll share what they're doing in, in the Bay Area. Uh, they're, they're doing, they're, I'm telling you, they are changing the Bay Area. For Christ, and this is not just talk. It's because they're doing one thing, and they're doing it really, really well, and they're creating social justice. They're making a difference for a group of people that are not respected. So ask, who is not respected, who is not appreciated? I mean, stuff to help um, immigrants is another possibility. But uh, to me, it it doesn't matter that much what you do. It's that you're doing something. It's what we do. But I would say, uh, pray about it, let the Holy Spirit speak, and find something where that's what the, that's what God is doing in your community. Yes. By the way, his name is Pride Joseph. Let's get it over with. Yes, that is his actual name. And uh, he was into my Bible talk 35 years ago. Uh, he has gray hair now. He was young back then. Amen. Good seeing you again. Hadn't seen him for 35 years until about two hours ago. It's cool. Mr. Joseph, I'm now five minutes over my time. I just got this signal. Anyway, again, we can't do everything, but if that's what your ministry chooses to do, I say do it and be an outpost for this kingdom. I went five minutes over. Thank you very much. You've just listened to the Elevate Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.